Hello, this is Stuart Lawler from NCBI. You're very welcome in to a special technology podcast extra. We haven't done this before, but uh, as you'll see in a moment, there is a need for one. We're recording on Friday the 11th of April 2014. And the whole reason behind this podcast is a topic that's been on many people's minds for the last couple of weeks, and that's the official end of support for the operating system Windows XP. A number of us here at NCBI have received queries from concerned service users over the last couple of weeks as to how their technology will perform following the end of support, what it means to them, and what are the options for upgrading to newer operating systems and software. We've put all these questions to our technical support officer, Paul Trainer, and we're going to bring him on right now to discuss everything to do with Windows XP. One of the big pieces of news this week, of course, on the 8th of April, was the official ending of support by Microsoft for its long-standing operating system, Windows XP. It's been so long-standing, actually, it's been Microsoft's longest-living operating system to date, released on the 25th of October 2001. Within three days of its being on the market, Microsoft reckoned there were 300,000 sales of XP. Today, it's estimated that XP is still running on a third of the world's computers. So with end of support in mind, what does this mean? We've brought our technology officer and tech guru, Paul Trainer, on Skype to uh, have a chat with us about it all. Paul, welcome to our very special podcast extra. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Stuart, for having me. It's great to hear you. It's good to be back, and especially for this uh, podcast extra. So thanks for, for taking your time. I suppose before we start uh, into you know what's, what's going to be different or what might be different for people, uh, the end of XP, is it a sad day for you personally? Were you an XP user? Did you love it? Well, I suppose in the beginning when XP came out, I was so glad of XP because it kind of, for me, it brought a more sort of streamlined, smooth way of um, working with a computer. Um, It had ironed out a lot of the old issues that we say you and I would have had back in Windows 98 days and uh, Windows Millennium days when you are plagued with different stability problems and things. So XP was certainly a very good stable system to work with pretty oh. much tr- all through its life. Yeah, I, I would have always felt it was, it, it, well, I mean, it, it did crash at times, but it, it certainly didn't, times, crash, yeah. didn't crash very much. No. So, okay, so XP support has ended for Microsoft. What, what does this mean, I suppose, uh, in basic terms for, for people who might be, you know, today using XP, they might be listening to this podcast on their computer with XP? Well, it basically means that they will be releasing no more updates or uh, security fixes um, for the operating system. This this would mean uh, this would translate into that uh, for say, for instance, things like stability problems that the OS might have, or um, security vulnerabilities, which includes things like uh, malware and viruses and different kinds of other um, problems. No more fixes will be released for any of these things. Uh, So that's basically um, what the end of life 
for this operating system will mean to the average user in the home. Okay, and it's probably important to say when Windows Vista was released in 2007, there was such an outcry because I think everyone had bad experiences with Vista um, that Microsoft extended support for Windows XP. So they had planned to get rid of it a couple of years ago. And what I suppose what happened, Paul, in a strange way, it almost became too successful for them and they had to keep it. Yeah, it, it, it actually it actually went beyond itself in its terms of success. It was, uh, I mean, Vista was terrible. I mean, f- everything from really slow startup times to actually trying to get any productive work done with Vista was just a headache, and people just threw it there and went back to their old XP systems. Um, so Microsoft saw that and and uh, decided, well, look. XP still rules at uh, you know at, uh, at that time period, um, so they kept it on and um, kept it updated until now. Okay, so given that that I suppose nowadays we're all on broadband, most of us are connected to the internet all the time. You mentioned there that I suppose there's not there's not going to be any further security updates. P- uh, PCs may be more vulnerable to viruses and stuff. W- when people are browsing the internet now using XP, given that support is over, do they need to be cautious? Do they need to be aware of things? Are there sites? Are there things they should be uh, maybe anxious about doing? Yeah, well, this is a this is a good point, Stuart, because basically, if you're if you're browsing the internet as you are at the moment, ninety nine percent of people will probably be using Internet Explorer because it's still probably the most popular browser. If you're using Internet Explorer in Windows XP, then you're actually using uh, an unsupported system because uh, Internet Explorer is built into the operating system. Therefore, it's not receiving any updates. Now, this um, puts us into a bit of a quandary because if we suggest to people use, uh, I don't know, um, um, Google Chrome or maybe even uh, Mozilla Firefox, uh, then we may have compatibility issues with our screen reading uh, software or our magnification software uh, within those browsers. Because if we're using an old um, screen reader, such as an old version of JAWS or an old version of Zoom Text or Dolphin Supernova, then it may not work in the current versions of uh, Google Chrome or Firefox. But um, this is this is uh, you know where it gets a bit tricky because the preference would be to move away from Internet Explorer on XP and try and use uh, Mozilla Firefox would be one that I would recommend if it were possible. But I can't say it will or it won't work on people's systems. They would have to try it out and see how their uh, access software would behave on it. But certainly, if possible, try to avoid using Internet Explorer on Windows XP. Okay, because obviously you're using, um, uh, as you said, an unsupported browser, which is not yeah. being updated. And uh, information, I suppose, Paul, in particular, if you're doing something like online shopping or online banking and you're putting information that is personal and secure to you uh, through this browser, it may not be safe. That's correct. And some uh, IT uh, people out there would say, well, you could disable things like Java and stuff, but that's not always possible. I personally have come across a few uh, people who use banking websites, and uh, the, the website uh, login page uh, utilizes Java, and without Java being active, 
then they can't log in properly into their banking website. So right. I don't recommend turning off Java. Well, that would, the only other alternative is to change your browser. Okay, so let's have a look at, you, you, you've mentioned the browser and the idea of using an alternative browser, but obviously there may be other issues with your technology, other technology that you have on your machine. The other thing I think people have talked about in the last couple of days, and I certainly got some queries, and I, and I know you did, um, around virus, uh, antivirus support. Some of, some of us have been using the free Microsoft Security Essentials. Is that still supported in XP, or where are we with that? Um, well, Microsoft said they'll support it in July 2015. The problem that I have noticed is I've done a bit of reading up on this, Stuart, over the last few days, and a lot of uh, independent tests that have been carried out recently are indicating that uh, Microsoft Security Essentials is actually quite low in its success rate, uh, where, where detection of viruses and cleaning viruses from your computer are concerned. So I was a bit worried about this because, you know, in the past I would have suggested Microsoft Security Essentials to people because, you know, it, it was a, a nice, easy to work with, uh, very accessible uh, piece of software. Um, what's recommended at the moment mostly is the, uh, in terms of freeware, you could use AVG 2014 or a really good uh, freeware package, but not as accessible as many of them, would be a vast 2014. Now, if you were going for a paid option, uh, Kaspersky uh, uh, Internet uh, Suite would be a good one, you know? So Antivirus Suite would be a good option. This is a paid product, of course, but I think yourself, uh, I heard mention it a few times on that, that it was a good product as well. Yeah, I've heard certainly good things about it. And we'll put uh, links to all these um, products Paul has just mentioned on the show notes for this podcast episode, uh, this special podcast extra episode. You can find them on our show notes. Paul, okay, so we, we know there are pr there are problems. I mean, let's face it, for people on XP, it's, it's a bit of a, you know, it's one of those things that uh, if you do nothing, it's probably just going to get worse over time. Uh, we're not saying it's there's it's going to crash right now, but you probably should be thinking. And with that in mind, if people are thinking of upgrading and moving on, what are their options in terms of maybe new Windows, or are there other things they can be thinking about? Well, look, Stuart, let me just let me just um, talk a little bit there first about what we can maybe do if we wanted to keep on using XP. Okay. Just for a little while longer, uh, we want to keep on our Windows XP. Uh, there's a few things we can do there first. We can always make sure that we have a good, decent antivirus program on the computer. We can make sure that we have um, kept it updated properly and it's working. The next thing we can do is we can look at the third-party programs on our computer. I mean, third-party programs, I mean things like maybe, uh, I don't know, audio software or um, Skype or uh, an email program or something like that. We can make sure that all these um, third-party software packages are kept up to date and as long as the vendors of the of these products keep them updated for xp then you know we can be pretty sure that we're not doing too badly we're, we're in pretty good shape um the of course the thing is that uh it's going to become more and more difficult to buy software and hardware 
for XP. So if we go out today and buy maybe, um, for instance, a new sound card for our Windows XP computer, it might be difficult to get one that will work in Windows XP. Uh, and also, it will become more difficult to get driver updates and other software updates for Windows XP. So we have to watch out for this and really sort of take into account that over the next six months to a year, we might need to consider that, uh, you know, moving on to, a, to a, a more modern operating system. But for the moment, we can probably work away with XP. So with that in mind, we're working away. We've um, done, made those um, um, suggestions and tweaks that you mentioned. And all the time we're thinking about this new operating system, as you say. Um, how do we, what are the choices and what are your thoughts on things people might like to move to? Well, I suppose there are two possible choices. Uh, the current operating system is Windows 8.1. The preferred operating system by a lot of people today, including myself, I suppose, uh, is Windows 7. Now, Windows 7 is already, I suppose, what, halfway through its life. Right. I think it's probably going to end support maybe in sometime around 2017 or 2018. So it's becoming very difficult to get Windows 7 anywhere. There is a possibility you can buy it on places like eBay or maybe in some of the smaller computer shops around the country. Or maybe if you're abroad in England or somewhere, you could pick up a copy. But um, Windows 7 is, I suppose it became a bit like the new XP. It became a very nice system to work with, and we all got used to it and, and, and happy to work with it. Uh, but as I say, don't depend on being able to just walk into a shop and buy it. It's becoming very difficult to get. The, the only choice you have now in terms of Microsoft is Windows 8.1 which is uh, the current system and which has been much maligned over the, the last year or two by pretty much everywhere you go. You hear complaints about Windows uh, 8.1. And it's usually uh, about the way they have designed the operating system. It's, it's, it's just a complicated system to use and to work with in, in, in some ways. I mean, for instance, someone said to me, I used to be able to shut down my windows in one or two clicks. Now I have to click four or five times to shut down windows. Yeah. So it's many of these little things that have really got on people's nerves and caused them to shy away from using it, even sighted people. Now, one of the other things I suppose people, because when you are using assistive technology and you're upgrading, it's not just your operating system and computer you have to think about, you then have to think about your assistive technology. And I suppose, Paul, obviously there are upgrades for all the assistive technology that will work on Windows 7 and 8, but there are also, we should mention, the free solutions out there like NVDA, which I know uh, you use yourself. Yes. Um, I suppose one of the biggest uh, investments you'll make when you're buying a computer nearly is not actually the computer or the software, the operating system. It's the access technology that we've, we've had to use over the years. I mean, um, the cost of this software has been very high. Um, it's a proprietary software. Um, it's, I suppose, this, all these kind of things lead to it being more expensive than the general 
generally available stuff like JAWS packages, Zoom text, Dolphin products. They're all very expensive. So we've had to we've we've had to work through that as well when we're when we're um, you know sorting out the cost of a, of a new system. However, in recent years, NVDA has come on the market. And I must say, uh, you know, for a screen, a free screen reader, I am very impressed by how it works, and you know, being able to do pretty much all the usual things that I would have done with the more professional package such as JAWS, I can do with NVDA. It's it's constantly under development, so it's improving, you know, in leaps and bounds all the time. Um, I do a lot of repair work on computers, uh, cleaning them off from, you know, viruses and all sorts of stuff. And NVDA is what I use all the time. It's quick to install, quick to get used to, and it leaves a, a, a very light footprint on the system so that even on a slow computer, NVDA is very responsive and very easy to work with. So um, it's, it's something that people might want to consider looking at okay um and and just the other the other thing i suppose uh, there's been some talk of for example ipads obviously there's the whole mac area and then we've been we looked just on this month's podcast actually at the surface uh, so there are there are other options paul in terms of let's say tablet computers if people choose to go down that road oh yeah i mean the ipad the iphone have been around now for a while and many blind and visually impaired people have been using them very successfully and enjoying using them. Now, um, there may be some, you know, drawbacks in using a tablet or an iPhone uh, in, as opposed to a computer, but generally, you know, I've seen people who have actually stopped using their computer altogether and, and totally use the iPad or the iPhone for their day-to-day -day computing needs. Um, Certainly, uh, I, I, I love the, uh, the Microsoft Surface Pro, which you showed us there recently, Stuart. It's a very nice piece of kit. Lovely to, I would say it's lovely to work with. I wish I had to have one and had more time to play around with it. Yeah. No, it's a, I mean, <laughs> it's a very nice unit. I suppose what I always think of when people are talking about upgrades is you've got to find something that you're comfortable with that because you're going to, it's, it's a time investment and it's an investment of your money. You want to make sure that it's working well for you. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, money ain't easy to come by these days. So every little thing you can save is so important and, and think about and just to go back a little bit on NVDA we talked earlier about how you might have to use a different browser uh, as opposed to Internet Explorer if your screen reading software uh, isn't up to the task of uh, working with a more modern browser then perhaps NVDA might be the way to go for people I know that it might involve a little bit of a new learning curve but well, you know, if you can spend a bit of time every day learning it, it's going to work out a cheaper solution on you. All right, so there are lots of options out there. I suppose NCBI remain available and committed to yep. make sure everybody gets uh, the support during this uh, transition phase, I suppose, between operating systems. Paul, yep. thanks very much for taking your time uh, for coming on our podcast extra today to give us your wealth of experience. And thanks a million, okay? 
Thanks, George, for having me. Many thanks to Paul Trainer, our technical support officer, for joining us today for our very special podcast extra all about end of life for Windows XP. I do hope you found that chat beneficial. And if you have any questions following Paul's um, analysis of the current situation regarding Windows XP, remember you can contact Paul at our helpline on one 850 Email support at ncbi.ie or contact your local technology trainer. Thank you for listening to this podcast extra. This is Stuart Lawler saying goodbye and I'll speak to you as normal in early May. <laughs>